it's only a story. That's what I'm talking about. The ones you read are safe. And that one isn't? Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Black Case Diaries podcast. I'm Robin, I'm here with... Marcy. And Adam. Yay, we're hey. all here, just like usual. <laughs> yep. Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> this know. never happens. I can't believe it. I know, oh. we're all in the same room. <laughs> all this intelligence and grace and... Oof, in the same <laughs> Step back there. <laughs> You're hyping us up a little too much, I think. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's definitely I was lying for sure. I thought I could, <laughs> we could fool some listeners. No, nah, I don't think. <laughs> They're too smart for that. Today's a really special episode. Uh-huh. It's our second yeah. episode of 2020. Back in 2013, seven years ago, I guess technically, mm-hmm. almost seven years ago. Wow. We gathered together to record our very first episode of the Black Case Diaries. Uh-huh. You guys remember? Yeah. Listeners might be confused. They'll be like, what? You've been around for a year. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. We were all still in college, and we didn't even edit the audio. Yeah. We placed the episode on SoundCloud, and there it sat for five years before we started our show for real. <laughs> 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 did, did we were we even called the black case diaries back then i think we were did we yeah. right. i think from the we very guys. beginning that's good at least it's, that was that's yeah. always been our name yeah the original concept stuck yeah. we just evolved it yeah yeah originally we were only gonna watch movies out of the black case that, oh that's right and that's originally right. that was the plan but then we were like now let's <laughs> let's do something Gotta broaden else it a little bit because <laughs> you know that that concept is good but yeah. inherently flawed because it <laughs> has a, a finite it has a finite ending like yeah exactly I, we abandoned it quick because it was we were like we're only gonna talk about movies in the black case mm-hmm. but then but i also want to talk about this movie and but i don't, don't own have. it yeah yeah but i also want to talk about you know and then also exactly. we wanted to do concepts and we didn't yeah. want to just talk about movie to movie right but back then we did. <laughs> back then we thought we would only talk about one movie at a time, and so uh, we're gonna kick off. We're kicking off our second year of podcasting, even though we already have one episode. But this don't worry about us. Yeah, we decided to give ourselves a chance to do it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we're, we're giving ourselves a do over. <laughs> Today we will talk about the same topic as we did six years ago. And we are going to re-release the original episodes to our pa- the original episode to our patrons, so that they will get to hear how far we've come. Yep, yep. it's not pretty. <laughs> it's <clears throat> you're gonna listen to it, patrons, and you're gonna think, "Am I really paying extra for this? For, this? <laughs> for stuff like this, really?" Oh. thanks. So back then, six, six, almost seven years ago. The three of us sat down and watched a movie. One of us had seen it many times. <laughs> One of us had never seen it at all, and the other had seen it once or twice. The movie was called The Neverending Story. Mm-hmm. And after we watched the movie, we went into my mom's sewing room to record our thoughts. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which honestly had very, very good acoustics. It really did, because there was did. so much fabric in there. Yeah, just piled up. <laughs> yeah. It just made it real quiet. Yep. So now it's... One of us has seen it hundreds of times hundreds plus of times. one. Somebody has seen it two or three times, and no. the last person has seen it once. <laughs> I'm the one that's seen it a lot. <laughs> yes. 
I've I've seen it a couple more times than two or oh, three. Oh, s- since yeah. then maybe. Since then, okay, I've, I've watched right. it a couple more. I've times. still only seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but Here I we go. but but the thing about this movie is that it's very memorable. It is. Oh yeah. And I know I remember a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Neverending Story is based on a novel by German author Michael Ende. It's the book is in German is called The Neverending Story. It's pretty much a direct translation. The book was originally written in German, and it was released in September of 1979, but translated to English in 1983, one year before the movie was released. Wow, so they must have, like, had it in, you know, well, obviously it was in production, but, like, Mm -hmm. they just liked it so much before it was even in English. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, they knew that it was going to be a a hit for English speakers, Mm -hmm. and yeah. The book remained on the bestseller list in Germany for three years. There are a few key differences between the book and the movie. The movie only covers half of the book. The sequel film is loosely based on the second half of the book, and the third movie is an original plot. Aha. Yes. I have never seen the third one. I've heard that it is not good. <laughs> That's what I've heard. They didn't follow our um, what makes a good sequel. <clears throat> they rules. didn't. They did not. Thank- thankfully, we published that last week, so people will now yeah, from now on from now on every, every sequel. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. We did it. We, we fixed fi- sequels. We fixed yep. movies. <laughs> the name of the world that Bastion is meant to save in the book is called Fantastica instead of Fantasia. Oh, I kind of like Fantastica better, actually. Yeah. It's interesting that they changed that. That is weird. Michael Ende was not happy with the film and didn't think it reflected the message of his book. According to a 1984 People magazine article, he held a press conference in which he demanded his name be taken from the credits, which it was. Wow. He called the movie revolting and said the makers of the film simply did not understand the book at all. Dang. Ouch. Yes. Yeah. Not... Not high praise. <laughs> do you um, do you think they'll give it another shot? Oh, do I think they'll remake it? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Eventually. I think yeah. at some point they might. And that's the thing, I suppose, with art is that whatever you put out, people will interpret it as they wish or as they yeah. see yep. it. It's no so longer you, yours. Exactly. You can't control it. You can't control what people see in it or so, from it. So really, what's the point of copyright law? We should just get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> interesting thoughts yes. <laughs> i mean i want to be able to play music on the podcast yeah, yeah. that's true that'd be cool and said that he worked with wolfgang peterson the film's co-writer and director on a script so he the writer of the book claims that he he wrote a script with the man who wrote the script for the movie the final movie but that Peterson rewrote the screenplay later on. His biggest concern was about the ending of the movie, when Bastion brings Fantasia back. Bastion seems to bring the world back the way it was before, instead of creating a new world, which is what Ende intended. Which I think is a very fair criticism of the movie. Yeah, that's a big... I think that... I mean, if that's his biggest problem, I kind of get it. It kind of makes a lot of sense. They could have, see, they could have stuck with Fantastica, and then if they really liked Fantasia, that could have been the world that he... That he created. Yeah. Yeah, he just made everything the way it was before. Ugh. 
Yeah, at the end of the movie, and spoilers, I guess, if you've never oh, seen oh, The no. NeverEndings. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, please just go watch it and come back to us. We'll be here. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. Just finish the episode first. I mean, it's fine. We've already or spoiled that. the ending. That's true. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, man. So, but yeah, that's a pretty fair criticism. Yeah. And yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that... I that would have made the movie very different, had a different, very different tone if they had changed that ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was they were more concerned about the audience mm-hmm. and uh, the connections the aud- the film audience had made with those characters, mm-hmm. and the audience wanted to know that everything was okay in the end. Yeah, I mean, I guess another way they could have gone is if, if they were worried about people's connection to characters they could have just like showed a couple characters coming right. back too right. but like in a completely different way but in a place. different way yeah so we're going to talk a little bit now about the making of the film mm-hmm. this movie was a german made film the director was german it was filmed in germany and uh, a lot of the characters that were not played by americans spoke german throughout the entire movie in fact sometimes you can see that their mouths don't match up to the dub because some characters were dubbed over yeah the german actors that didn't learn english for this movie were dubbed over for american audiences way to be lazy (laughs) english is the only language that matters english is so easy to learn i can't believe that The NeverEnding Story was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. It was also written by Herman Weigel and Wolfgang Peterson. Oh, wow. He's a, wow. He's yeah. a multitasker. Yeah. According to some of the actors, Peterson was a perfectionist and required sometimes as many as 40 takes for one scene. Jeez, oh man. The scenes in the Swamp of Sadness and with the giant tortoise took two months to shoot. Man, how much like sadness can you, can you deal with? <laughs> Could you guys imagine recording forty times just to? Oh yeah, we blew imagine. it. Start over. <laughs> no, no, that's why. That's why I edit. editing is. Yeah, this? yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> doing it that many times, especially if you are in a real swamp like that, being in like, you know. Goop, yeah. Essentially. <laughs> the actor that played Atreyu Ugh. said that he was walking around in goop for two months. Oh, God. Because oh, <laughs> of that. That, oh, that cannot be good for the skin. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. well, some say that like mud on your face is, is good. I guess. But, but for two like months, two months? <laughs> I think if it were me, I would I would have tried to take like three, you know, up to five times and been like, guys, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> this this story never ends. We have a lot left. <laughs> We're gonna be filming forever. Never ending. That's what filming. you signed up oh for. Oh my god. Yeah, check the fine print of your contract. You're stuck forever. <laughs> Most of the film was shot in Bavaria Studios in Germany, with outside filming done in Vancouver in Spain. The music for the movie was written by Klaus Goldinger and uh, Giorgio Morder. Including a very special song performed by Lamal, which no one's heard, right? You've never heard this song. I have no clue what you're talking about. (laughs) It's an incredibly popular song, and they just revived it on Stranger Things this summer. Colin Arthur was a special effects supervisor, but he had a gigantic team, 
And I, it was so long, I didn't even want to count how many people were on the team. It wow. was huge. It was a huge special effects team. Over 100, probably. At least 50. Okay. <laughs> it was a lot of people. I mean, for, for one team, yeah. we're all working on the same thing. That's a lot. Yeah, it's insane. Because some of them were like painters and molders uh-huh. and all these different kinds of medium. Mm-hmm. But then different kinds of media. But then... You also have all of the people that were used, moving the puppets and right the like quote unquote actors. Yeah, so you all. Of, I mean, it was a huge team of people. <laughs> Rolf Zehedbauer designed the set direction, but the designs for the creatures was a collaboration between him, an Italian artist named Uwe De Rico, the, and uh, a professional mime named Caprice Roth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I also read that that mime worked on E.T. Nice. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I wonder, like, what does a mime provide to to a movie? I'm definitely going to look it up for our next episode. The episode about about special effects. I'm definitely going to look into the use of mimes. (laughs) Because I I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what comes to mind for me, especially with E.T., is that he doesn't talk really a lot. Mm -hmm. So he has to emote with his body Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so that's what mimes do and... The yeah. correlation is there. I see point. that. Because mm-hmm. usually the stereotypical mime is like in the the movie or in the show. Just yeah, they do the leaning on the wall uh-huh. gag, or they you know get in trapped a in a box, and that you know, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of strange to see one behind the scenes working on something. But that's yeah, he's cool. just like yeah. he has to emote everything. Like he won't speak to them. Yeah, and that's behind the scenes. Oh wow! Was... And he, he won't write it down. He'll yeah. only pretend to write it. Down. <laughs> yep, yep. It would be really hard for him to get somebody's attention yep. who was like across the set. <laughs> Do they play charades? <laughs> they had to. Have. I guess they must have. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, the movie cost twenty-seven million dollars to make which adjusted for today would be about $65 million. It was the most expensive film in German history. Wow. I mean, thinking about how much movies cost now, Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, (laughs) it's still a lot of money. Like $64 million is a lot of money, but like, (laughs) man, not that much anymore it's I crazy guess. yeah because to regular folk like us just <laughs> yeah regular old joes right sitting in their you know their tiny house <laughs> recording in their makeshift podcast studio mm-hmm. to us that sounds like a lot of money i'll gladly yeah. take half of that yeah i'll, I'll take i'll take one sixty-fifth of that yeah yeah the movie made 100 million dollars nice wow mm-hmm I'm glad they made back everything yeah, they that, spent on it. That's good. Yeah. I guess that's why it had sequels. Yep. Many attribute the magic of the movie to its incredible effects. So we're going to talk a little bit about the effects here. They were all done by mimes. <laughs> <laughs> we 
have the finest mimes yeah. in the world. <laughs> that's why it costs yep. so much. And that's why it's so good in your imagination, because it comes from your imagination. That's right. Whoa. That's right. <laughs> mind blown. Uh, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Anyway... According to Wolfgang Peterson, remember he is the guy who directed the film, digital effects hadn't advanced to the point of even a green screen yet. Back in, when they were filming this movie, they used only blue screens, and the term green sc- screen was not a wild, widely used term. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't blue screens serve the same purpose? Or? Yeah. I mean, it is essentially the same purpose. Huh. But I guess like it just wasn't a mainstream thing yet. Ah. Uh. Like it was still kind of a prototype because, yeah, green screens can be blue. Right. Uh, green screens can be any color. The only reason True. that they pick green is because it's the most unlike any human skin tone. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that you know, that we've seen. And so it's more, most likely people aren't going to blend into the background with, I, with a green screen. Yeah. And it's a less likely color people are going to wear. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I bet you the scenes with Gamora were a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. For Guardians of the Galaxy. That had to have been blue. A blue screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they did blue screens for that. Yeah. Because it really, they can use any color. It's just, they use green because of that. Most common, yeah. Mm-hmm. They use the blue screens for flying scenes in the movie, but practical effects for pretty much everything else. So when you watch this movie, audience, you will be able to figure out which times they use the digital effects. <laughs> what? It, it's huh? it's pretty obvious. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, there's this one that where Atreyu is falling, just falling through the sky. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I I mean, it's really, you can tell. I mean, to be fair, it's not the only movie that's had that problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can tell when somebody, especially when somebody's falling. Yes. They're they're surrounded entirely by the screen, but you can Mm -hmm. obviously tell where they're like planted. Yes. Like Uh there's a part of them still somewhere and then they're like flailing their arms or something like they're falling. But there's, there's a point on them usually like if they're sitting down or, or whatever that that's where they're sitting that's where <laughs> yeah that's where they're being held up or, or something like that each puppet was operated by a team of trained puppeteers as many as 25 people were in charge of operating falcor wow. not surprised yeah it's a very complicated puppet yeah he's huge mm-hmm. yeah it's a big there's a, a lot of stuff that they put together for Which this is super cool i would much rather have it like that yeah mm-hmm. It's like, I think as an audience, when you're watching it and you can imagine that this world kind of exists, even though it's not really Fantasia, it's not the Fantasia in in the realms of this universe, but the fact that somewhere this actually existed, you could walk through Fantasia and that you could see the set design and that you saw these monsters or monsters, you saw these characters, you know, it just, it's really, I think just knowing that. Yeah. When you're watching it, makes it a little like it's very mm-hmm. special, right? You know, people can go visit, visit the Shire, yeah, right, yeah, exactly, yeah. and and, and that's yeah. something that people just, I mean, they really like that. They yeah. attach to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, talking about how it takes 25 people to operate Falcor, it reminds me of like the Chinese New Year, how they have like uh, the, like I think they're made out of paper or something, yeah. and it takes a lot of people to create this one dragon mm-hmm. and they move together. And so that, yeah, they're like, they really have to cool. be like trained dancers. Yeah. Because they have to get all the movements correct. And mm-hmm. imagine if you were that guy. Like who goes who, who who bobs when everyone weaves and then like <laughs> like so, rips the dragon so head. It looks like the dragon's like got a broken back or something. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, or, that'd be bad. Or the guy at the front holding like the ball that it's supposed to follow. Right? Oh yeah, and he trips or something. <laughs> oh no! Uh, oh no! No. Uh. So, one person was assigned to each of his facial features, including a person responsible for his eyebrow. Somebody was in charge of his nose, his his nostrils move. Mm-hmm. Somebody is in charge of, uh, like one side of his mouth, I think, and like someone did his eyebrows and like so. So you like they had so many people in the head operating all these things, and so all at the same time they have to move and time everything with each other. Yeah. Just so, so it actually just looks like one creature moving its face. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like you, we were just saying with uh, the exactly, with the dragon, yes. if one person's wrong, it's gonna make him look so <laughs> it, it, wrong. Yeah, you get into the uncanny valley, or you get into just like some derpy look, like his eyes looking the wrong way, or something. Right. You know, that would be rough. And, it, yeah, and they're not out there. Like no one's out. None of them can see what's actually yeah, happening. Yeah. yeah, you know, they only hear cut. Let's do it again. Like, oh no. <laughs> what was it? 40, 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> Day four hundred and seventy-two inside the Falcor head. <laughs> I can still only move his eyebrows up and down. Yeah. Morale is low. <laughs> I'm losing my sense of self. <laughs> we only have breaks for bathroom <laughs> and yeah. food. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, this dragon's not feeling very lucky. <laughs> the dialogue was recorded beforehand. So sense. the puppeteers had to try to sync up movements with words. Oh, wait. Uh. <laughs> that sounds harder. It's usually done the other way, isn't it? Or Yeah, sometimes you try to dub things in yeah because because the person the voice would be easier to like fluctuate right yeah slow down or speed up or whatever the more we talk about the more grateful i am that this movie exists seriously (laughs) it's a marvel it's like oh thank you so much for making this Yeah. yeah putting a lot of work into it yeah no matter how many times they practiced or did a scene over, they could never eliminate the error behind the puppet. There was always something out of place, but Peterson believed that this made it true art. He uh. said, yeah, he said that he made, he believed that being able to see the human behind these creatures made it more artistic than, uh, you know, it, a computer being behind it. Because when a computer does it, it's perfect. Right. And, uh, you know, he said just seeing, like, I don't know, kind of just seeing the human element and kind of understanding as an audience that humans are doing all of this, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of helps you connect with it mm-hmm. since we're a human audience, which is a really, it's an interesting thing for him to say since he was such a perfectionist. Yeah. So he, he had to really come to terms with the fact that he was not going to get a perfect movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, I think that... 
you know, he was right. The movie is really charming because of these things. There, I mean, I think about Falcor and, you know, the fact that someone was moving his eyebrows. I totally can see that because, you know, he moves like every once in a while, there's something that's like a little out of place. like something that's a little wrong. And I don't know. It's almost like little artist footsteps, you know, little, little footprints. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of nice, you know? Yeah. No two performances are the same. So like, you know, if they were to bring Falcor back for any reason, or if they just showed off the puppet, Right. It would it would be like oh it's Falcor but it's not quite right yeah because it's different yeah it's like you you have if you have two paintings and one was yeah. created by a machine and one's created by a human mm-hmm. they're both beautiful but if you ask the human to create the painting again it's not going to look exactly the same right but if you ask the machine to do it again it will look It'll exactly the same yeah. yeah yeah and and so you know it's like they're both art they're both beautiful but. You know, with one of them, you can see that human element. And yeah. I think, you know, that helps audiences connect with it. Nice. It would definitely be different if it was a CGI Falcor. It, yeah. <laughs> it would. It would. I think, yeah, it would yeah. look di- a lot different. Change the aesthetic. Let's, um, let's all be thankful that it isn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he did. I was reading an article where he was he was talking to somebody from the Huffington Post, and they did ask if you were asked to make this movie again to remake it, what would you do? And he said, he said I would use I would use the effects that are available now. I I wouldn't do like a practical. Huh. I wouldn't use the effects we used back then. We we would use the things that exist now to make the movie. Interesting. And uh, he said, but he just wasn't. He's like, I'm just not sure if it would have the same charm though. Yeah. Yeah, let's just not do it again. Yeah, let's just yeah. not do it again. I mean, that's kind of good that he admitted that. Like, yeah. he was like... It's going to be easier for yeah. them now. It's going to be cheaper, probably. Yeah. There are a lot of factors, so I yeah. guess I get it. But, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, exactly. So stop remaking movies, darn it. <laughs> Please don't remake this Come on. one. Yeah. So let's get into starring... Yeah. Bing, bing. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. First off, we have Barrett Oliver as Bastion. Bastion, the coolest name. Oliver also starred in the original Frankenweenie in the 80s. Yay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's on Disney Plus, if anyone's interested in watching it. Nice. I-, I think it is. Very nice. Right. Hopefully. Sorry. Check that out. He no longer acts, but is an accomplished photographer and specializes in the wet plate process. Yay! What? Yeah, Marcy loves the wet plate process. <laughs> and he also teaches photography in Los Angeles. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, so for school, I did the wet plate process, the collodion process, and it is super neat. It how, entails a lot. <laughs> how is it different from, like, regular film, like, developing? Because it's all in, like, a dark room and whatever the liquid is it's not just water right (laughs) no no (laughs) it has chemicals okay for sure so the big thing about it is that you take all the equipment with you and it you basically have to make the photograph within 15 minutes meaning you take it then you have to have this portable dark room with you (laughs) and uh yeah develop it and fix it and all that right there in the field so it it's a lot of work, but it's really cool. It's nice. like Polaroid, but with a lot extra steps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Extra Polaroid. Yeah. Shake it like a wet collodion <laughs> <Yeah>. picture. 
<laughs> so, so I got to do this process for college, and it was really cool, and I loved it. So nice. maybe, maybe if I can find my old collodion yeah. picture, maybe we'll include that in the blog. It's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's a so, good idea. That good on him. That's awesome. Then we had Noah Hathaway as a Treyu. Hathaway played Boxy in the original Battlestar Galactica. Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he was also in the 1986 film Troll as Harry Potter Jr. Wait. (laughs) What? (laughs) Did Harry Potter Jr. come first? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It had to have. Yeah. Yeah, the Harry Potter books were published in the early 90s. First ones anyway. Wow. Is anything original ever? <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, it's just hilarious as the same that, name. That is, yeah. that's yes. ridiculous. <laughs> so Hathaway was seriously injured twice while making the movie and still has health problems today Ugh. because of it. The first one is that while preparing for the horse back riding scene, a horse actually fell on top of him and cracked two of his vertebrae. Oh, jeez. He's incredibly lucky. Yeah. When I read that, I didn't believe it. I was like, how's he alive? Or walking. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, my God. <sighs> I know. And you know what's crazy? So, like, we've mentioned this before, but, like, making films in the old time. I know the 80s shouldn't really be considered the old time. It was only 40 <laughs> years ago. But making them in the old time, it was really dangerous to do horseback riding stunts. It's probably still really dangerous, but... He had the luck dragon with him. That's right. <laughs> so the other injury came at the end of the movie when he fights Gamork. The robot malfunctioned and cut Hathaway next to his eye. Gamork was also very heavy and caused him to lose his breath. Because of this, they could only get one shot. This kid got sliced next to his eye. And they, and they said that he almost lost it. Like, if, if it had cut him closer to the eye, he might have lost his eye. Oh, my God. And this happens. The thing falls on him. Is he it knocks the wind out of him. And so they can only do one take. But it's like, he did it. Like, I yeah. just, the fact that, you know, he went through that is just insane to me. And I watched wow. it. And they do. They cut it very quickly. Mm-hmm. So you don't see him get sliced in the face. Mm-hmm. You, you see, like, the swipe with the paw. And, yeah. um... Gamora kind of fall on top of him yeah. and stuff and then that they've cut it so that in the next scene he pushes Gamora off of him and Gamora has the has the dagger in, in, in his stomach uh. and all the blood is you know corn syrup blood it's not right yeah, you know, okay. yeah. some of it's real <laughs> Alan Oppenheimer played Falcor Oppenheimer is an accomplished voice actor who narrated the movie voiced Falcor the Rockbiter and Gamora a lot of characters in yeah. one. Very nice. They saved a lot of money there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> that, actually, yeah, you're right. They did. <laughs> yeah. He's also probably most well known for his voicing Skeletor in the He-Man animated uh-huh. series. <laughs> He-Man. <laughs> I I love Skeletor. <laughs> That's a great credit. I've watched very little of He-Man, but Skeletor is amazing. He's such a kooky character. Yeah. With a great voice. So, Tammy Stronach as the childlike empress. She has been in very few things since the never-ending story, but she did do two films from the Czech Republic. 
And the director saw 3,000 young girls before choosing Stronach as the Empress. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Now, now she's uh, since focused mostly on her dancing and being a choreographer. Uh Aha. Yeah, she's a little dancer. She's an 11-year-old dancer in the movie. Mm. Sweet. Nice. That's, um, that, I mean, thinking about finding the right person for your part, like, yeah, oh man, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't know how many people audition for movies anymore because <laughs> you just have like yeah. a set of 12 that they just use. But for something like this, 3,000 people coming yeah. through, my goodness, will we ever know if he picked the right one? Nope. <laughs> nope. We only have this one. That's all we got. So last but not least, we have Gerald McRaney as Bastion's father. He's been acting since about 1969 and has been in many different roles, including things like Chips, The Rockford Files, and Diagnosis Murder. He's still acting today and played a small part recently in the new Netflix show called Dolly Parton's Heartstrings. My sister Rita really likes him. (laughs) I know because every time we talk about this movie, she always asks... Isn't Gerald McRaney the father in The NeverEnding Story? Is he the dad? <laughs> She's a very big fan of Gerald McRaney. <laughs> next, next time she asks, she's like, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't recall that. No, I think it's somebody else. Yeah, I don't, I don't any think random, it's any random, Any random actor name. <laughs> I think it's this person. <laughs> it's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. So I think we're going to just talk a little bit about the summary of the movie and just how we feel about it. And I mean, because, you know, I'm going to guess that a lot of listeners have seen this movie. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't, go ahead and go watch it. Go ahead and turn off the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Unsubscribe. We've already. Uh, Yeah, don't unsubscribe. (laughs) Please don't. No. Anyway. So this movie is about a young boy named Bastion who's heading to school and he's chased by three bullies. In order to escape the bullies, he dashes into an old bookstore. There, he is tempted to take a book that he is told he's not ready for. In order to read it, he steals away into the school attic and begins the book called The Never-Ending Story. It is about the land of Fantasia, where the creatures have been threatened by a force called the Nothing. It destroys all that it touches. In order for Fantasia to survive, it needs the help of a human boy. Dun, dun, dun. Human boy, powers activated. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. I I think one of the most interesting bits right at the beginning, getting tricked into reading. <sighs> yeah. Is that even possible? <laughs> he is a big fan of reading, though. Right, that's true. He's yeah. already a big bookworm, mm-hmm. and um, being told that he's not ready for this book is it's a pretty slick move. Extreme. Reverse psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes you wonder how long this shopkeeper's been holding on to this book. Doesn't doesn't Bastion even leave a little note saying he's gonna bring it back yes. or something? Yep, he says, Sorry, I took your book and you know I'll <laughs> got him. Bring, bring it back, I promise. <laughs> and mm. yeah. Sweet kid. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he somehow gets into the school's attic. Yeah, he breaks into the school's attic. It's super cool. I've I've always wanted to do that. I remember 
I used to walk around my school when I was a kid and look for look for an attic Holes somewhere. In the ceiling or something. Yeah, I was like, man, I want to go up to the attic and just yeah. read a book all day. Yeah. It's just one of those days, you know, like, I was like raining outside. I want to go outside yep, yep. and go upstairs and I don't yeah. want to go to gym. I, I want to go read a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to skip every class and read a book all day. Yeah. And pass past school hours too exactly mm-hmm. oh man what a cool idea i've i want to do that so bad yeah. yeah so what do we like about this movie oh boy i i love the the styling of a lot of the effects and characters and stuff like that the the rock guy what, what's he called does he have a name the rock biter rock biter that's mm-hmm. it thank you him, I remember very vividly the first time I watched it. You know, question. Uh, he's the only one left at, towards the end when the nothing's coming. He's like, I was holding on to my friends, but I couldn't do it. And I'm like, oh my oh. gosh. Oh, but, yeah. but uh, you know, that's really sad. But at the same time, <laughs> the, the whole look of Fantasia is just really cool. I don't know how accurate it is to the original story, but visually it looks really cool. I, I guess that's why it took so much work and money and all this stuff because it's so out there unlike anything else you know everything that we watch now is all done on the computers and stuff but this has such a unique look to it such a a, a charm to it mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things about the whole experience yeah yeah like the characters like the apathet- apathetic turtle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's just like Marcy's uh, spirit animal yeah <laughs> Don't you care about that? We don't even care whether or not we care. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we, we've all got a little turtle in us. So yeah. 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 <laughs> that seems perpetually sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we live in Ohio, so. Yeah. And especially with the crazy weather we've been having. Yeah. Keeps you sick longer. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> yeah. How about movie. that weather? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you about the yeah. win- oh my goodness, the winter vortex or whatever. <laughs> so, and then the characters at the beginning are a little bit memorable too, like the snail. <laughs> that one was interesting. I had mm-hmm. never seen any kind of character like that portrayed. So. I mean, there's and Falcor. Who can confer, nobody oh, yeah. can forget Falcor? Mm-hmm. Not with a name like that. <laughs> I know. I'm a luck dragon. My name is Falcor. And my name is Atreyu. And you're on a quest. I love the concept of the story. I love the writing. You know, Adam was mentioned. He talked about how the Rockbiter was like. I, I tried to look at my hands. These are strong hands. You know, but I wasn't able to hold on to my friends. I wasn't able to stop the nothing. And I, I, I mean, I, I love little nuggets like that, you know, mm-hmm. moments where you really, it's, you have a character that is, what, like a, a three-ton rock that eats limestone, and uh, it's it's so different from you in pretty much every way, but you're watching it, and you're like, man, I really identify with this character. Yeah, yeah. I really understand, you know, how sad he is and how he feels. Mm-hmm. And I, there are so many great little dark moments in this movie, sad moments. Mm-hmm. It gets very, I mean, and I think some people might think it, it's a little too intense for, for kids, and I don't know how I feel about that 
viewpoint because I watched it when I was so young mm-hmm. that it, I was just so used to it that I had, <laughs> I you know, I don't know anything else. I don't, uh, you know, I wasn't sheltered from that stuff because I had older siblings and my parents were kind of busy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was kind of like, okay, it's a Saturday. All of my kids are together. They're safe. They're in the living room. I'm not going to be worried about what they're watching. You know, it, yeah, it was, it, that was yeah. kind of how I grew up. So it was like, you know, as long as they're not watching something PG 13 or rated R, or, you know, lots of violence and it was okay. So we watched stuff like this and I remember watching it with my dad and we got to the part where our tax dies, the horse. <laughs> yeah. And the swamp of sadness, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> I, you know, I think it's, you know, the movie Inside Out, you know, Uh they do this really wonderful thing in Inside Out where they show an audience of children what depression is. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, like they do, it's really, really great. They did a really great job with it. But I feel like this movie should get just as much credit Mm -hmm. (laughs) for, you know, the, the scene where they're trekking through the swamp and it's not necessarily anything active that's killing the horse it's just right there's no monster or anything yeah it's this this abstract concept of the horse just being too sad to carry on Mm -hmm. you know and and it's not so much that the horse himself is just sad you know the swamp is making him sad Mm -hmm. but you know atreyu is able to push through even though the horse doesn't and so it shows you how different creatures different people are susceptible to different things and it's it's a very it's it's unique i've never seen anything like that yeah as sad as sad as it is it it has a real impact to it and it has a lot of meaning behind it because like not only is it showing kind of what can happen to somebody in this case a horse Mm -hmm. when that's affecting you like that but on the opposite side atreyu is able to fight through it not only just because the swamp is making him sad but his horse just died in front of him Mm -hmm. yeah like how can you still be like i guess happy enough to to make it after that you know yeah to be able to carry on after that he has to grapple with the fact that he wasn't enough to save his horse you Mm. know he oh my gosh that's true too he begged him to stay alive Mm -hmm. he begged him to think of things that were happy and it wasn't enough to save him and that just the whole idea is so complex, but it's it's done so well. You know, children watching it totally understand it. Mm-hmm. They totally understand what's going on. And I remember watching that, and my dad would always say, "Robin, do you want to come over here and sit on my lap so I don't get scared?" <laughs> you know. So yeah, I love that. I love his. I love the arch, the archways with the the sphinxes. No, I, I love that part, too. You know, that part was really great. It shows the audience how Atreyu and Bastion are essentially the same character. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mirror images of each other. And, you know, that's a really important concept of the book. So it's important to understand that when you're watching it. So, and I think my favorite part is the nothing. I, uh, the fact yeah. that the villain of this movie is something that you never see. Mm-hmm. It's the fear of not existing. Yeah. And not existing because no one will recognize you. The story is ending. Right. Maybe not necessarily like 
actually disintegrating or actually disappearing. Yeah. More like you're still around, but yeah, because nothing else is even acknowledging you or anything. Do, do you really, you know? Yeah. Do you really exist in the nothing? Yeah. Ooh, scary. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> yes. Terrifying. It's a very scary idea. So um, I was reading a Roger Ebert review that he gave. He gave his movie three out of four stars. <clears throat> he says, the never-ending story is about the unfolding of a story. And so the framing device of a kid hidden in a school attic, breathlessly turning the pages, is interesting. It lets kids know that the story isn't just somehow happening. That storytelling is a never-ending act of the imagination. Woo! Yeah, he's right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I love—I always love whenever I show this movie to people for the first—they've never seen it before. I love that part of the movie where they explain to Bastion what it what they mean when they say the never-ending story, mm-hmm. right? When when the childlike Empress says to him, "There are people right now that are sharing in your story." You, and you don't even realize it. Just like how you're sharing in our story, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the story that never ends. And I, every time we watch that, someone, someone's always like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. When I was a kid, my sister Rachel used to say that she imagined when she woke up in the morning, she would imagine somewhere in the universe a book was, was getting pulled off of a shelf and opening. And, you know, and, and that when she opened, when the book opened for that day, whatever happened to her that day was the story in the book, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of like that. So I also wanted to share with you guys a quote from the director of the movie. It has very dark and scary moments, but life is like that. It educates you and a reader like Bastion, how to go through that and pass through these sort of dark moments to achieve something at the end. I think it empowers kids to, as the childlike empress says in that goosebumpy moment at the end of the film, do what you want. Why don't you do what you dream, Bastion? But I can't. I keep my feet on the ground. That's a good question for all of us. Why don't we do what we dream? Mm-hmm. That's why we're podcasting. Oh, because <laughs> life is hard. <laughs> Life is hard. Here's a microphone. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> T-shirt. <laughs> All right. So is there anything that you guys, any f- final thoughts you guys want to bring to the never-ending story? Well, I want to say thank you, Robin, <laughs> for showing me this movie because I've still only seen it the once. But it was really cool. And I... And I had You're welcome. we had a, we had a lot of fun doing that weird little episode we did back in the day, and uh, it kind of spawned this. So in a way, this is our never-ending story. Exactly. If it weren't for this movie, I don't think we'd have a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. This is this is the one. This is the thing that did it. So there you go. Do you have? Any- <laughs> I just uh, want to quote one of the characters from this movie. Urgel, he says, there's no fool like an old fool. You know, some words of wisdom. There you go. Well, there you she's go. calling us fools. I think. She is. She's calling us old fools. 
But there's no fool like an old fool, so, <laughs> so I guess it's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So subscribe already, dang it. Yeah. Yes, please. Subscribe to our podcast <laughs> if you like it. If you don't like it, don't subscribe. You know, yeah. do do what you dream. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so you can find us on Twitter at Black Case Diary. You can find us on Instagram at Black Case Diaries Podcast. We, uh, we have a website, blackcasediaries.com. We have a Patreon. Uh, thank you to our Patreon. Our pa- thank you for, to our patrons on Patreon. Yes. Yeah, yeah we've got you. yeah we've got a couple of new ones recently. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> Brett, John, Jacob, Anthony, Shelley, Joel, and Joel. Oh my God! <laughs> thank Yay! you guys. All right. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Woo! All right. Tell us if you have. Any suggestions for things we should talk about? Anything you want to hear us talk about in 2020? We've got a great lineup all ready to go, but mm-hmm. it's not throughout the entire year. So, you know, there's still some slots opening. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy. Oh, yeah. And if you become a patron, you can uh, see some of our what we're going to talk about yeah next yeah you'll have we some kind of reveal what what's on our uh plate yeah you'll have some future insight that's right and um some more influence if you have if if a patron says something then it's it's high it's up there oh yeah <laughs> yep. so if you if you really want to hear something that's a good way to do it um we would appreciate it yeah. all right i think this is another case closed yeah yeah all right Marcy, did you have a drink of the week? I did. It it is called the nothing. <laughs> Whoa! It's so light. It's almost like it's not even there. So yeah. it's, not. it's just water. <laughs> uh. Yeah, check out our Instagram where we're gonna post the picture, the drink of the week, and yeah. on our Patreon, free for everybody. We always post the recipe for the drink as well. Mm-hmm. So. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Turn around. Bastion made many other wishes and had many other amazing adventures before he finally returned to the ordinary world. But that's another story. <laughs>